Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Michael Jones, president of UserPlane, a company that develops web applications. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Rich. How is the online dating market changing? Where is it headed? I think that's a good question. We work with a, a range of different online communities from strictly online dating sites to social networks and then just a general open kind of interest-focused communities. I think what we're seeing is new sites are definitely a mix of all those tools where you see dating sites that are free. They have kind of advanced profile features like a social networking site might. Maybe they aren't strictly driven around dating completely. Maybe they're also driven around finding uh, friends or finding activity partners. And I think they're just generally a little bit more community-focused than, than online dating sites today that are very single-minded in their purpose. About what percentage of dating websites would you say are actually making any real money? Well, it depends on what you mean by real money. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, we, we have quite a few clients that are small groups. They're you know, under 10 people, and they're making you know, a few million dollars a year. And I know people that are smaller than that. They're, they're, you know, they're two or three guys working out of their house making a substantial amount of revenue off of, uh, say, a niche dating site. So you know, I think what, what's interesting about online businesses in general and, and online dating specifically is that you, you, know, you have the ability where somebody can start a site that tailors to a specific religious segment or just an interest niche, etc., and they can create a nice little business for themselves with a minimal amount of staff and, and providing a really strong service to that community. When you know, if we talk about real money, and we're talking about you know 50 million plus, uh, you know, in, in yearly revenues. There's not that many dating sites out there doing that. There's there's definitely a few, and there's there's more and more I think getting created through through sites taking the approach of launching multiple properties, and and a lot of dating sites have figured out how to leverage that to start generating much stronger revenues. I mean, just like we talk about the the online dating market in the U.S. is what you know 600 700 million. A year, and if you start breaking that up between all the big guys, and then there's just a lot of small guys that kind of make up the remaining percentage. How many small guys would you say are out there? Do you have any feel for whether we're talking about hundreds or thousands of dating websites out there? Well, it's definitely in the thousands. I don't know if it's beyond 5,000, but I know that from the number of URLs that we service, that's definitely getting close to 1,000 alone. And then if you start thinking about property networks like Relationship Exchange or Dating Central and such, those sites start piling on 50, 100 different URLs, if not even hundreds of URLs on their own. And if you separate all those out, then yeah, you definitely have thousands and thousands of sites. And getting back to some of those niche sites that you were referring to, can you mention any dating websites that meet a particular niche that are doing well right now? Well, you know, recently we've been seeing some interesting sites you know, the animal lover sites have been doing right. well. Um, you know, animal attraction, date my pet, you know, have been popping up on our radar quite a bit. We, um, we started doing some work with a social network called Dogster and Catster that huh. have um, a, a remarkably large user base and are really? actually profitable in a, in a building exciting company. 
you know, I think previously niche sites were really focused on the JDate model, where they were based on ethnicity or religious interest. Right. And now we're seeing more niche sites come up that are for wine lovers. It's for people with more social interests. It's people that love traveling or people that love motorcycles. Or very, very focused niche, very specific to people's interest groups, which I think is you know, just as viable as the Jewish segment or as the Christian segment. And what about the gay websites? Are they doing well? Yeah, I think gay websites in general have always done well. I mean, the gay population online embraced services like chat and online communities from the very beginning. I mean, probably before you know, generally the straight population did. You know, we're seeing definitely more and more gay sites. That's been exciting for us because we're obviously happy to work with them on their properties. But yeah, I mean, I think in general gay sites do really well online. And of course, uh, the growth that seems to be right now in the European market, I hear that the American market is so much saturated that uh, the dating websites aren't doing that well in the States, whereas in Europe, uh, they're growing by leaps and bounds, particularly in England. Would that be true? You know, I, I have a, a bit of a market insight on that, but I don't know if I'm really considered the foremost authority. I definitely am getting calls from clients that we work with that have uh, large American properties that are talking to us about the European market and want us to connect them with uh, European components that can help them enter in those European marketplaces. So I think there's a general interest around that. I think Europe's definitely more developed than Asia is quite a bit, and I think Asia is really going to be a big segment for online dating. The iDate conference in Hong Kong last year was, was quite interesting. We met a lot of people that are, that are starting to pioneer those roads into Asia, which is wonderful. So I think Europe's exciting. I think Asia is, frankly, more exciting. And I think we'll probably see Europe dwarf the United States over time, especially just related to the way that Europeans date as a different methodology than the way, uh, the way Americans date. And I would take it that Canada would be an oversaturated market since it's so close to the United States, pretty similar there in terms of not growing as fast as Europe or Asia. I mean, that might be true. You've had people in the Canadian market for quite a while. Date.ca has always been really active. Date.com obviously has a presence in Canada. Plenty of Fish is always making waves up there. There's a lot of people going after Canadian singles. So I think that, yeah, that that's probably a little bit more developed than some of the European markets. And do you have clients, Mike, down in Australia and New Zealand? It's funny you ask. We actually have a remarkable large number of clients out of Australia. That's a marketplace that I didn't originally expect to be so large, and yet when I see the usage on our Australian clients, it's substantial. So, yeah, we have clients down there, and I think they're, um, they're quite active in online dating. And do you foresee a day when the African market and the Latin American market become lucrative? Well, you know, I know that Latin America right now, I have quite a few clients that are going into Latin America and are excited about releasing properties there. So I think there's some viability there. I think, you know, Africa is a, a different challenge just in regards to the saturation of the number of computers and how many households really have access to the Internet. Not, not only that, but I think with Africa and Latin America and Europe, the mobile phone, the way the mobile phone can act as a similar platform as a computer for online dating might really change the way that that community thinks about online dating or thinks about community applications in general. So um, I'm not necessarily sure if Latin America five years from now looks a lot like the American market from the standpoint that there's all these sites, but maybe there's a huge amount of phone-based subscription services or premium SMS services or premium mobile applications that basically provide the same functionality but give a lot more people access to it just because there's more phones down there than, than there are computers. Can you tell us a little bit, Mike, about what your company, UserPlane, does for dating websites? Sure. So we provide kind of key communication components to community sites in general. We happen to be pretty dominant in online dating, and that's a key focus for us. But I think the way we look at online dating is really just that it's, it's another form of online community and connecting users. And we basically want to build and provide better and better tool sets to connect users. So with a typical client using our applications, they might take our tools, integrate it within their website, 
they would potentially charge for it, maybe they'd give it away for free, maybe they would restrict certain elements of usage, and through our robust communication infrastructure, they should be able to tailor our applications to increase their conversion rates, to drive more revenue through their site, and to provide their users with a very clean, easy-to-use user experience that allows them to connect to other users. So we're really focused on web-based communication tools. Now, the social networking sites like MySpace.com, for example, are really getting big, uh, bigger even than the dating websites. Do you foresee a day, a day when the dating websites are knocked out of the box altogether and just everybody just goes on to a social networking site in order to meet their dating needs? Well, it's, I think that there's a few different cases of that. I think right now, if you talk to sub-20-year-olds, like a 16-year-old that lives on MySpace, which 47 million people you know, live on MySpace now, and you ask them, is MySpace a dating site? They'd say, oh, no, you know, MySpace isn't a dating site. And then you'd ask them, have you ever dated somebody you met on MySpace? Well, yeah, of course. And so I think that's the change, is that in a very casual community environment like MySpace, dating just happens. It's not right. uh, promoted. It's not a, this specific tab that pushes people into a dating where it search. It just happens to be that people connect and they date. There's no stigma there, Mike. If you go onto a social networking site like MySpace, you don't have to be embarrassed and say, gee, I can't find a date, and that's why I had to join Match.com exactly. or Matchmaker.com. You can just say, hey, I'm just networking with people, and hey, I came across this, this attractive woman or this nice guy, and I decided, you know, get together for a cup of coffee, but it wasn't exactly. a, quote, date. Because that word date sure scares a lot of people. People cringe, especially people uh, in their 30s and 40s and 50s who are reentering the dating scene, and they get so embarrassed to even think of the word date because it it reminds them back to the days when they were 16 years old, awkward teenagers mm -hmm. going on that first date. Yeah, I think you, you hit it on the head. I mean, it's the stigma that people get nervous about, and it's the same reason why people want to go to a local bar where they can hang out and meet people opposed to what they would consider a meat market. If you're going into a dating site, there's only a single purpose for you to go to a dating site, and right. it's to date people. Unless yes. you're a clever headhunter and you're trying to drive, you know, <laughs> you're trying to find right. candidates. But in general, you know, people go to dating sites to date, and that's a lot of pressure for people. I mean, if you walked into a room and you said, everyone in this room is looking to date, now go talk to people. You know, right. a lot of people have a lot of anxiety about that. You know, yeah. our communication tools and the way sites are set up are obviously set up to get over their social phobias or any kind of fears they have in, that, in regards to communication. But now if you look at a social networking site, there's some key differences, right? A, a dating profile for a, a typical dating user is re really represents what they aspire to be. It's long walks on the beach. It's this great relaxed atmosphere. It doesn't necessarily give people a true vision of who they are. And they're not really accountable because if you log into a dating site, your name might be SurferGuy567, right? But when you log into somebody's social networking profile, it's their actual name. And yes. their social networking profile has to be true because they're showing it to their friends and they're associating that profile with their friends and they know that they're going to get teased by their friends if they're sitting there <laughs> and putting things that are completely untrue. So suddenly when you, you go through social networking sites, you're actually reading very true profiles on people and especially when they add in functions like blogging where people can start creating these you know, personal diaries of their lives. So, well, that's a really great way to, to learn who somebody really is. You know, dating sites are on the other side of it where it's, you know, it's somewhat of a mass profile. It's an aspirational profile. It's not accountable to anybody. They're right. not forced to use real names. So, you know, there's a whole different system there that doesn't necessarily lend itself best to meeting people and starting in relationships with those people. So you're saying that honesty is something you're more likely to find on a social networking site than a dating website? As a very general statement, that's true. I'm not saying that profiles and dating websites are not honest. Obviously, there are a lot of people in online dating that use completely truthful profiles and embrace that philosophy. But 
with social networking sites, the difference is that your profile is accountable. And that accountability forces honesty. Where in online dating, you're not really accountable for your identity. Mike, if somebody were to call you today who wants to start a dating website, what would be the first piece of advice you would give them? Well, you know, in general, when we talk to newcomers to the marketplace, we definitely push them to do something different. Right. And to really come up with a new hook because there's obviously a lot of competition for people out there. We definitely encourage them to be well-funded because aside from development costs that are always rising, you know, marketing online dating sites is an ex expensive proposition. And I think marketing also becomes a big focus of our conversation with these new sites, saying, look, in addition to just, yeah, you can, you can definitely go buy Google ClickWords and Overture ClickWords, and that's wonderful, but can you come up with a new way to market yourself? Do you have some different hook that's really going to get people to virally adopt your system? Um, if you look at successful sites like MySpace and and Friendster and such, those were typically grown very, very organically and 100% virally where they didn't spend any money online. Once right. you start having to buy your way into the online dating space, you can do it. And just like we all know over the last few years, we've seen quite a few newcomers come and buy their way into the top 20 online dating sites in the world, but it's just expensive. So if you have the funds to throw at it, you can buy your spot there. So how much money would you have to spend if you started a new dating website and you wanted to crack into the top 20? How much money would you well, think you'd have you to know, spend? I don't know if I'm the best person to answer that. I mean, my relationship with dating sites doesn't allow me to get deep inside their marketing budgets and see exactly sure. how much they spent. There's a new site that was launched out of Los Angeles, but it's a general social networking site called Tag World. And Tag World came out of the gates buying media left and right and spending a ton of money on everything from clickwords to banners and such. I don't know what numbers they spent. I would assume it has to be well above a half million dollars in a very short amount of time. And they've bought themselves onto the radar, and they now have a substantial user base. And that yes. substantial user base is promoting their site virally. So I would assume that you wouldn't want to touch it for under a half million dollars. But again, I'm not out there bidding against match. I'm in a fortunate position where I'm, in, I'm a tools dealer, and right. we don't have to go out there and worry about a $5 cost per lead acquisition or whatever those numbers end up being at the end of the day. Right. What do you think is next, Mike, from a software perspective, uh, from the viewpoint of mobile or desktop, etc.? We think about both those things often, and we're definitely going to be doing some interesting things with both mobile and desktop. I think the key behind both those functions is really presence, and it's the ability to get messages, get alerts, get instant messaging, get emails delivered to users, whether they're at their computer or at their phone. So what we see it as is, is if we can create a desktop tether so that when you're logged into a date.com and you leave, you leave the date.com website, but you can, you know, if, wouldn't it be great if there was still a way for you to receive messages from date.com on the desktop? And that's a big piece of what UserPlan is going to be releasing in the next quarter. Mobile is very similar. We believe that yeah, mobile's wonderful. Search on phones is great. Photos on phones is great. But what's really the key is saying, how can I be on a cell phone and get alerted when the person I'm interested in logged into the site? How can I generate an instant message or an email message to that person from my phone when I know I have their attention at that moment? So for us, all those venues are really about you know, maintaining and containing presence. And a next big piece of everything you'll see um, user plan releasing is based around those functions and making sure that we're giving our clients the best tools available in the cleanest way to maintain presence and drive additional usage and traffic to their websites. Let's talk a little bit about subscription-based sites versus free dating sites. Mm -hmm. Where does the advertising come into play? Well, 10 years ago, online advertising was a very different marketplace. Uh, today, just like everyone knows, you can set up a Google account. You can start displaying AdWords on your site. And you can start seeing revenue from that day one. 
So it makes it very easy for any site to monetize their traffic through those types of tools. I think the issue is going to be if you start looking at paid dating site versus a free dating site, a free dating site most likely isn't making the same kind of revenue per user that a paid dating site is Right. from a very general standpoint. I think what you are going to be seeing in, in the long run is just basically that sites are going to be embracing premium services and online advertising at the same time. So certain sites like date.com actually do show ads within their property. And uh, you know, I don't know what percentage of the revenue they drive from that, but I'm, I'm sure it's strong. Sites like Plenty of Fish obviously are 100% free and drive a ton of usage to their site, monetizing completely off advertising income. The benefit that you also have to realize when you're running a free site is that your costs for support go down substantially. It's not that you don't have to provide support, but because the site is free, your obligation to that user and is a little bit different. And the way that you handle that user from a transactional credit card perspective and the way that you set up your infrastructure to manage that user is very different and typically just less costly. Yes. So if you start looking at cost to run a free site versus a paid site, even in relation to the amount of money you're making per user on a free site versus a paid site, there's a balance in there where I think it can work really well both ways. How does video affect online dating? Well, video is basically just taking people's profiles and adding life to them. So you know, video is becoming more predominant with the spread of broadband. All these computers now are you know, coming out with uh, webcams built in. So the ability for somebody to jump into a chat room and have a video conversation with a user or jump into a video and some message or create and view uh, video profiles, you know, I think that's an exciting aspect to online dating. Uh, again, it's another tool and an arsenal of tools for these online dating sites to create better user experiences and let people um, connect you know, better with each other. So we believe we'll see much, much more video. And in general, that's true. I mean, with sites like VidiLife and YouTube and such, there's a lot of talk of video these days. And I, online dating, I think it, it won't be any different. I think it'll just, uh, it just need to embrace those same tools. Assuming that uh, someday down the line, everybody has their own web camera and everybody's able to send video of themselves whenever they're emailing people and whenever they're trying to set up a date or, or a meeting mm -hmm. on a social networking site, do you see the point where bricks and mortars operations like Great Expectations, for example, uh, that people will just stop visiting these offices live because they can do the video dating online? There won't be any need to have a, a video dating office like Great Expectation has all over the country? You know, I don't really see it that way. I think, if anything, what's interesting about online dating is that it's going to build the brick-and-mortar business even stronger. Once it becomes socially acceptable to say, hey, you know, I'm a business professional, and I'm single, and I'm interested in meeting my partner, and I'm going to use an online dating site, once that becomes more and more socially acceptable, it'll become just as acceptable to say, I'm a busy professional, and I'm going to hire a, a relationship matchmaker to help me meet my right person, or I'm going to drop into this place and have them take a video of me and then go through that video dating process. I think that in general it benefits both marketplaces. And what I wouldn't be surprised to see is if great expectations and other offline typical matchmaking services just see greater competition because online dating sites start realizing that getting somebody on the phone and walking them through the process is just as profitable, if not potentially more profitable, than running them through their site because they can charge them more and it's more of a premium service. I think, it, I think it does great things both ways. Sure. Some of these matchmakers, as you may have read in the news media, are charging fifty dollars or $100,000 a client to introduce them to people. And I'm sure yeah. some of these dating websites are saying, instead of making $25 a month off of my clients, right. maybe I better start charging thousands of dollars and do a special matchmaking, you know, one-on-one -on -one personalized service where I hold their hands and take them out on dates mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, help them with their makeovers and so forth. I mean, this yeah. could be a real a profit 
opportunity for the dating websites that are... I think so. And I think it's great for the users too. I mean, if it's going to help users meet the right person and get them in the relationship that they're desiring, that's a fantastic way to do it. And just like you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that are very busy and they think to themselves, do I really want to log into a website every day and check my messages and search and then try to contact somebody and go through that whole anxiety opposed to, you know, I'm really interested in just telling somebody who I'd like to meet and then just making an introduction for me personally. And maybe that's worth thousands of dollars for me. Maybe that's worth hundreds of dollars. I mean, obviously worth different amounts of different people, but uh, I think it's a viable market. You're on the board of directors of Idea Oasis, Mike. Can you tell the folks out there what Idea Oasis is all about? Yeah, well, Idea Oasis was kind of spawned from the idea that the online dating industry and social networking industry and just general online communities doesn't don't really have a public face where maybe the media can go or where legislation can go to discuss issues and get an audience with different sites within our industry. We're working with Mark Brooks. We're working with, obviously, this was founded originally by Mark Lesnick, who runs the, the iDate conference. And we spent a lot of time working with legislatures on the identity verification bills right. and pushed back a bit on that in California and then worked with the company called the Internet Alliance that's doing a lot of work on that bill in different states currently. I think we're interested to find where Idea Oasis fits in the marketplace, and we're talking to a lot of dating sites about other needs they have. Uh, Security's come up quite a bit recently, and we're working on some new things that might allow us to do some kind of shared fraud prevention tools and such. But it's an organization really at its genesis. We're now trying to feel out the best place for us to fit. I think the initial push in the legislation has put us on the radar with some different groups and definitely created a need for an industry voice. But I think there's a lot more that Idea Oasis can do, and we're just trying to get our minds around it now. For, for those of our listeners who are not aware of what we're talking about here, as far as background checks legislation, True.com, which is one of the uh, more recent dating websites to come on board and break into the top 20, uh, they have a unique marketing ploy where they're trying to get the state legislatures around the United States to pass a law which requires every dating website to have on their homepage in very large letters that they do not do background checks. And, of course, that would be a tremendous advantage to True.com because they do the background checks. Um, You're mentioning a number of the states have considered this. Where does this legislation stand at the moment, to your knowledge? Um, Well, I got an update this morning in regards to some activity happening, I think, in Illinois. And uh, that's been the most recent state that it's being pushed in. So, you know, in general, this legislation is being brought state by state for review and decision on. The initial charge on this legislation was pushed by True. And that's great. And they brought this you know, issue to people's awareness, which is an important issue regardless. I'm not necessarily sure, as far as my personal feelings on it and not even speaking for Idea Oasis, my theory is that anything that improves Internet security and gets people uh, more comfortable with online dating and allows them to have a better experience with less potential problems is a great thing. What I'm not necessarily personally excited about is just the concept that there's just more and more disclaimers. I believe that the Internet's already filled with millions of disclaimers, and people right. agree to software licenses every day that they don't read. Right. And to have something at the bottom of a website that says, we do or we do not provide background checks on these users, I just don't think that really solves the problem. It's another disclaimer. Maybe it protects some liability. Maybe it allows some people some marketing you know, edges on it. Maybe it helps create an industry of identity verification on the web. But it doesn't really solve the problem. And... Americans are already at a point where there's a lot of things happening that are giving people thoughts in regards to background checks and the way that they're being monitored and, and the way our data is being viewed and such. And Google's obviously right in the middle of that, those types of reviews now with our government. So 
Um, it's a sensitive issue, and I think there are some great solutions there, but I don't think right now the way that they're being approached from a legislative standpoint really solves any problem. And you mentioned fraud a minute ago. What can be done to combat fraud online with dating websites? You know, I think every site has its own method of detecting fraud and making sure that these infamous Nigerian scammers that, that everyone talks about, you know, aren't dominating their website or causing them to have too many chargebacks. Unfortunately, I think the online industry in general needs to create a better relationship and a more partnership-oriented relationship with credit card vendors. The fact that online dating sites get targeted by people doing scams and then their chargebacks are run up to ridiculous percentages and then they get dropped from their card carriers, it's not really the fault of the online dating industry. And it's unfortunate that online dating has become the target of, of different people doing credit card scams. You know, in general, most sites have done a very good job at weeding out that inventory making sure that it doesn't affect their other users, making sure that they capture those transactions before it affects the banks and such. Yes. But there's just a lot of weight and responsibility being put on the online dating industry to kind of figure out a solution to that, opposed to what I believe should be a little bit more of an industry-wide solution. You know, as, as far as what they can do specifically, there's great consultants out there. There's great developers that I'm sure can attack the problem from an IP perspective, from setting up different ways of monitoring sessions and cookies and looking at people's behaviors on a website. There's a lot of intelligence built in there that allows that to be monitored and used. But right now, I don't think there's any great overarching solution that just solves the problem. And it's something that, frankly, we think a lot about here if it's something we want to attack as a simple way to give everyone a solution that will solve that problem. Mike, how can people contact you? I'm available at mjones at userplane.com. That's U-S-E-R. E-L-A-N-E.com. We're in Los Angeles, and our website's at www.userplane.com. Excellent. I would like to thank my guest, Michael Jones. Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about Single Living, feel free to email us at comments at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss.